0: NFR Extra is a weekly podcast that focuses on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons that embody the rodeo and Western lifestyle. And now here are your hosts, Nevada Caldwell and Rockin' Robbie Hodges.
1: episode 44 of nfr extra and you know the we're keeping things going quarantine still happening a lot of news coming out um things are changing a little bit but you know kind of keep your head up and one day at a time and well just like we've done in the past we've got some great guests here and robbie this is a good friend of yours that uh, we brought on this show who who's this individual we brought on
2: Man, I am so honored to get to interview this guy. This guy's been as much help as anybody to me in this business, and he's been a friend to every contract acts personnel in this business, Rodeo. Um, none other than Blue Jeans. Um, a lot of people call him their boss or whatever or just a, a rep. I call him my best friend in the world. We've worked a lot of rodeos together, and you're going to get to hear a good bit about you know the stuff with contract acts, how how it's progressing and, and the things that he's doing and also you're going to hear a little bit about his history you know with some of the bullfight stuff you're really going to enjoy it God, it's going to be fun
1: yeah he's been around a little bit right and uh you know obviously <laughs> yeah there's the, a lot of great information there and i i'm starting to learn your guys's world that you see guys like you uh Romp, Luch, all these uh everyone that we've had on the show that they're you know from the bullfighting side or the, 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 the barrelman. You guys get to see so much of the rodeo that a lot of others just don't get to see from the ground up and uh it's cool, man. That's a great interview. And then Brylin, uh, you know, good friend of yours, good friend of our business. And uh who who's this, who's this young lady we bring on here?
3: We got to bring on Alyssa Leo and their family has been nothing but wonderful for the junior world finals. You know, the junior bulls that they bring in are great for these caliber of kids to learn on and that's really the whole point of junior rodeo so it's great to have them a part of our team she gives us kind of a little detail about how they got into the business which was a little shocking because wasn't nope. the normal of most our rodeo people nope. but it's a great list and i hope you guys enjoyed as much as we did
1: yeah you know and I bet we will yeah no doubt and i think you know the fascinating part about mini bull riding the word mini just i don't know i'd i'd take it away but it it's bull riding and What's fascinating is how involved they are with all the organizations of rodeo, even PBR. That's the part that, I, like, you, they got their hands in a lot of bull. <laughs> anyway,
2: uh, enjoy uh, this. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. The, 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 the most thing that makes me the most proud of this whole deal is is the safety that they're teaching with these kids. You know, me being, I have a really good seat to some really bad stuff a lot of times sitting out there in that barrel and I watch these kids and it's getting them used to when they move up to the level of the pros, you know, where we haven't always had that. And it's pretty interesting to hear her talk about all that and the developmental stuff. And and these kids aren't scared of winning money now. I mean, it's such a, it's been a big beneficiary to rodeo. And I think it's going to stay that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, Well, Hey, enjoy. And up next, Rylan Bentley's rodeo news of the week.
4: This is Brightlin's Bull,
3: the Rodeo News of the Week. PRCA Stat of the Week, 19 the event record number of national finals qualifications for bareback rider Bruce Ford, 1974 through 91 and again in 1998. The five-time world champion was inducted into Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 1993 in Colorado Springs, Colorado. PRCA has created a digital rodeo tournament open for fan voting. In the tournament, the top 16 competitors in the 2020 PRCA Ram World Standings in each event, bareback riding, steer wrestling, team roping, saddle bronc riding, tie-down roping, barrel racing, and bull riding will be matched up in a head-to-head bracket, with competitors seated in their respective spots. Fans and competitors can begin voting daily at ProRodeo.com. The Cowboy Channel and the PRCA are working together to bring the fans the sports center of rodeo with the new television series called Pro Rodeo Tonight. We'll begin airing on Saturday at 7 p.m.
0: Every December during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, thousands of rodeo fans call Las Vegas home. Families and friends gather to strengthen bonds and celebrate our Western heritage. But we'll do it only when it's safe for you our fans, and contestants, because that's all that matters. We know you can't travel right now or be around others, but when it's time, we'll be ready. This is the NFR. This is Vegas.
2: I'm eight-time world champion bull rider Donnie Gay, and you're listening to NFR Extra.
1: Mr. Hodges, I, man, okay, so we've been, we haven't got to sit with one of your cronies in a few months, so yeah yeah i know you know you get a little excited i get it too man it's just like when i hang out with my geeky guys that work in the multimedia production world i love love chatting with them i can hang out with them all day and uh yep. th- this sounds like you know this is a good relationship you have here and and this guy's got all kinds of uh perspectives of the rodeos i'm looking forward to this conversation but uh fans we got
2: should be this one's gonna
1: be fun man. absolutely uh fans we got uh blue jeans uh professional bullfighter uh contract act director of prca and four-time bullfighter of the year um welcome to the show blue jeans
5: how's it going guys man great blue i'm so glad to get to talk to you blue and i you know i have people nevada that i that i see you know we've done all these interviews and them guys have stories but blue jeans is as close to my brother as anybody in this business and i'm so excited today and we're gonna divvy off into some fun stuff and and, and you're gonna to get to see a side of a guy right here that that's pretty cool. And it, I also gotta say, congratulations, Blue. Uh, obviously this year's a little bit
2: strange, you know, because of the way it's kinda of turned out, but this is Blue's retirement year also. So congratulations on twenty five years in the in the PRC. Do you get a
5: bronze card or anything for that? Or is it or gold? Or, well, well platinum. They, they, now they give you a gold card, but I think your hair just gets platinum as the main card. <laughs> is that <what> it is? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so,
1: Blue Jean, I can't wait for this one. <laughs> yeah, I, so hey, let's get started on this. How did you, yeah. well, first of all, tie this in together, because I've I read a little bit about you. What? First of all, the, the name Blue, which I love the interesting part of that, because, you know, I got the name Nevada, and we can go back and forth on that. Um, and then right. how'd you get involved in this whole craziness of dodging bulls, you know, and, and, and just that that business, which is, you know, you just don't wake up and say, well, I'm going to be a bullfighter today and just kind of wing it and figure it out. How would you get into this whole game and how the name Blue?
5: Well, my, my dad gave me that name uh, with the last name Jeans. Obviously, they're going to – he said they, you know, called him every nickname in the world when he was young. And uh, he decided to call give me a nickname before everybody else did, and that's where Blue came from. But uh, he my dad was a – he was a PRCA rodeo announcer uh, in the late seventies and, and all through the eighties. And, uh, I grew up going to rodeos and, and if you remember in the eighties was the, was the high point of the Wrangler bullfights. Mm-hmm. And that's when that whole deal started. And man, when I was a kid growing up, I got to watch miles Hare and I got to watch Rick Chapman and Jimmy Anderson and, and work at working a lot of the rodeos. My dad was working and man, I've just, I fell in love with, with the bullfighting deal and, uh, I went on and, uh, a, a cool story i was my dad was working the rodeo at arcadia florida which is a rodeo i just finished the last rodeo we've had you know because of this pandemic mm-hmm. uh, and we were down there and and Rex Gunn, uh the hall of famer he was clowning the rodeo and fighting bulls and i went down there with my dad and i helped him with his axe and i wanted to fight bulls so bad i probably bugged rex to death i mean i i followed him around every, every minute you know well uh after it was over he told me he said look you helped me with my axe he said uh he said, I'll let you come to my bullfighting school. Well, that was it, man. I was hooked. I wanted to go so bad. My dad didn't want me to because, you know, I mean I was really honestly I was too young to be fighting bulls. I was only fourteen years old. Wow. And uh but I went and uh Rex took care of me, you know, he he, he controlled the situation and uh let me let me learn and then you know, I went on to, and played sports in high school and did all that, but uh I had that I had that fire in my belly to go fight bulls so about midway through my senior year, after football was over, man, that's that's what I did, and I've been doing it for twenty five years, well, more than that, really. That was that was in nineteen ninety four, so I've been doing it ever since.
1: Wow! And this, so, and as Robbie alluded to, so this was your retirement year, is that right?
5: Yeah, this is it. Uh, twenty five years in the PRCA, and uh, I I decided at the end of last year that this this would be my last year. I didn't know the coronavirus was going <laughs> to interrupt everything the way it has, but man, I've got I've worked some some of these rodeos 20 years uh great committees and they've been so good to me i mean i've the silver spurs rodeo gave me a, a silver spurs going away present and then arcadia oh, gave man. me a belt buckle uh and a lot of these rodeos have a lot of stuff planned for me so i mean it's it's been cool mm. yeah i it, guarantee
1: it, it yeah and it's sound i mean you know the cool part this is honestly losing is Whenever we get to talk to people on here and they've grown up in this all I can hear is just like, man, I, this is all I've ever done is live this life. Um, it's a little different than other people. You know, how how is it that, and it looks like, just kind of reading, you come from a third-generation ranching family. Is that right?
5: Yes, that's right. How? Uh, we were, we, yeah. I, my family had a ranch uh, right outside of Houston, Texas, in a little town of Dayton. Uh, my grandpa bought uh, bought some land and bought seven cows in 1938. And that's that's what my family did for a living. Uh, that's how I mean, and that's part of where the, the bullfighting, you know, came from. Growing up on a ranch, being around cattle, uh, we had uh, Brahman cattle, and you know, if you know them very much, they're pretty mean. And uh, so it was kind of survival of the fittest. It, fighting bulls, it was kind of an extension of that to me, uh, you know. And then with my dad's rodeo background, I mean, it, it is. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It, it's all I know. I mean, it, I've done it from day one. I don't know any
6: different.
2: Mm. That's great.
5: You know, Blue. Let's talk a little bit about. You know, several years ago, when, even before we met, I had grown up um, down in Florida. You know, I say grown up as, as in the rodeo business and stuff. And when you first came down there, do you remember us talking about it? And, like, when you were going to do Cassini and, and get those Silver Spurs bulls and stuff. You know, because Nevada's learned a lot, and I know we bring this up a lot, about swamp bramers down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. yep. And, the, and, and, and Blue's one of the guys that learned – but well, tell them about, you know, tell them what is the difference in fighting those and say a man's herd of bulls or, you know, from, from anywhere else. What's what's the difference there? Well, especially in, in today's times, uh, you know, everybody's there's a lot of people in the bucking bull business. They raise them from calves. They breed bucking bulls to cows, and, and they've got a program. So down there in Florida, they just pretty much gather everything that they can gather or, and, and shoot them with a dart and get them to town and start bucking. Whoa. And, and and see what bucks and what doesn't. And some of these some of these bulls will be, you know, they'll be forty years old. and They have probably only seen a human twice in their life. Oh my and gosh! And it's I mean it's a it's it, it's a whole different deal. And and you know the less you handle those animals and the less you have them in the pen and and, and do things with them, the wilder they are. Mm. And uh, there's Matt Baldwin, one of the great bullfighters of, of my era. You know, we always had a running joke that when you go to Florida, you know you hit your spots and you hit it with authority because so you don't have to worry about whether the bull's coming or not. I mean, that was, that was, that's what we always told each other. I
6: mean,
5: they were, it, it, they were it, always going to tell deal, <laughs> Yeah. You and, and you fight them different too, don't you? I mean, like you say, you, you, uh, it's, it's a totally different deal, but you always handle that so well. And I, I loved working and I love working the barrel with you. You know, you were part of the Wrangler Bullfights the last year before they changed hands and everything. Tell us a little bit about what that was like. You know, back then, and I'd say back then it's 2000. That sounds like back then, but um, well, the, uh, back then, the, the when you first got your card back, the way it was back then, your first year on your card, you had your permit year, and then your first full year of membership, you weren't allowed to be on the Wrangler Bullfight Tour. So I got my card in 90 at the very end of 96. So all in '97, I was on my permit. All in '98, um, I, I couldn't go to the Ranger Bull Fights. And then '98, I got to, or '99, I got to go to a few. And then in 2000, I went to some. And I got to, I went to the Harper Morgan Bull Fights with the big crowd, no, friends. You know, no. the Ice Tees and Ice Pick and Swamp Thing and uh, Hillbilly and I mean there was just a load of those bulls that James Harper had that were famous and uh, they were big and scary and mean. Yeah, and, uh, and I got to work with the great Rudy Burns. and Lisa. Oh, man. Great barrel man. Great. Oh, my God. My
2: hero,
5: you know. Rudy. Rudy's the – in my opinion, I understand Robbie's my best friend and I love him to death, but in my opinion, uh, Rudy Burns is the greatest that ever was. I, mean, I
2: guarantee you.
5: That guy not only was a great barrel man, but he knew bulls and he fought bulls when he was younger. So uh, he would come in and, you know, you'd get in that locker room and you're you're nervous, you know. You're a rookie kid, going to your first bullfights and he'd walk in there and he'd slap you on the back and say, "Hey, man, what bull you draw?" And you, you know, you could tell him what it was, and he'd tell you exactly how to fight him. I mean, uh, I was my first bullfight at Jonesboro, Arkansas. We were uh, we got to the last round, and we had the NFR bulls out that night, and I had a bull that went to the finals that year, a big bull called Swamp Thing, and Rudy come in there and said, "All right, this is what you do, kid." You start him out, make a few, start make all the rounds you can make. When you when he leaves you, he's gonna hit me and knock me to the calf rope and shoot. He said, when he does, you run up there and get and make some more rounds, and I'll be back. I mean, that was Rudy. Mm-hmm. He, he was the coolest cat ever. I mean, he he knew how to fight him, and he knew how to tell you to do it, and he'd help you relax. You know, the you get a lot of anxiety when you go to the bullfight, you know, because you're nervous, and it's it's very dangerous, you know. And Rudy would he always had a way of breaking that anxiety. I mean, he would just he'd make you laugh, get you having fun. And you know, kind of get you refocused before you went and fought bulls. You guys, I mean, that and it
1: worked out. yeah, and that's a. I mean, what a mentality yeah. you got to have because,
5: you know, we uh,
1: we've interviewed a lot of folks on here hear about rodeo and, and different aspects that they do, and clearly, you know, and even like steer wrestling and tie down, I mean, there's some sort of form of danger. There is like just the, it, you know, some can go wrong with the horse, or you come off wrong. There's a million things right. that can happen for every athlete involved in rodeo. What? have you done over the years to keep your mind like just you personally for blue jeans? Like what, what's kind of like your, um, uh, preparation regimen that you do before every rodeo or through the whole season? Was there things that you do to keep your mind right and keep ready for everything?
5: Well, absolutely. There is. The number one thing is I learned to fight bulls from the great Rex Dunn. And when Rex taught you how to fight bulls, he taught you the fundamentals and he, he taught you how to trust your fundamentals. Right, so that's one That's one part of keeping your mind right. The second part of keeping your mind right is having your butt in shape and being physically fit and knowing that you've got your legs under you and you can fight one as long as you need to fight one. That's the second thing I did. And the third thing is, is a, you know, trusting the Lord. You know, I believe I was – I was the good Lord wanted me to fight bulls. I mean, put me in positions that he did. And you bind all those three, three things together, and, and that's kind of the – that's the mental game. You know, uh, guys – when they when they they come in and they're not in good shape, it starts affecting you mentally. Mm. Uh, when guys don't have good fundamentals, it's and when they start having a hard time and things bad things gonna happen. Because when you when bad things go to happen fighting bulls, they hammer you. You know they hit you hard and <laughs> break something. You know so if you don't have good fundamentals and then you start having adversity, and you don't, you can't go back to your fundamentals and fix it, then it just snowballs on you. And that's why you see a lot of turnover in bullfighting. You don't see a lot of guys that or you know, able to do it as long as I was able to do it because they you know, and I credit that to Rex Dunn and the fundamentals I was taught early on. Yeah. That's good. Tell us some stuff about Rex. I mean, how was that I would
2: love my in my day to ever get to work the barrel with that guy and, and be around but how was he like on a confidence level and, and stuff, obviously with you, but tell us about him. oh
5: man, he was the he, he was the coolest cat ever. He he forgot so much about fighting bulls that most people will ever know. You know what I mean? He You'd go to his school, and if you if you worked hard and you and you showed him you really wanted to fight bulls, you'd kind of become one of his guys. You know, and I went, and I was one of his guys back in those days, and I went to his bull fights, as many of them as I could go to, and, and that guy would, he, he could watch you fight bulls and know what you were having trouble with and what you were struggling with, and then he'd put you in a situation to teach you a lesson. And I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, if you had, there was a certain kind of bull you were having trouble with, bulls that were, you know, you know, that were slow and that bait up and that were smart, he'd he kind of, he'd put you on stuff like that to teach you a lesson and then he'd talk you through it. Uh, but he could watch you fight bulls and see what you were having. You, he didn't you didn't have to go tell him. He'd sit there and watch you and see you having trouble with something and then you'd notice he was putting you in certain situations and then you'd go. And then after after you got done with the situation, he'd come over and say, hey, do you see what happened there? Did you see what you did? Did you see what you should have done? Go back to your fundamentals. And, I mean, that was, that's that coaching that he gave that I mean there's not very I mean Frank Newsom does it, Cody Webster does it, those guys put on schools and, you know, they kinda came from that same tree of fighting bulls that uh but I think I think we're losing some of that. The bull fights are so popular and so many people want to do it that they're not slowing down and taking the time to learn the fundamentals and it's gonna it's gonna cost them in the long run. Yeah. Uh, because That's a Rex good point. Was just, mm. Rex was so Rex was so good at that. I mean I've never been around anybody that can read your body language and read what you were doing in the arena. And, and work on it and fix it for you like that guy could.
1: That's a good coach, man, right there.
5: You bet. Well, you're the same way, Blue. I mean, that's, I know when you and I see the old Rex and you when you're when you're telling you know is that what you like to do? I mean, is that with the young guys oh, yeah. and stuff? You know, I I'd, I'd like to be a fraction as good at it as Rex was, but I try to do that. You know, I try to I try to slow those boys down and show them the fundamentals. I mean, but to, to talk about to put it in football terms, I mean, Rex Dunn was the Bill Belichick. I mean, he could he, he could take anybody. He could I mean I saw him take guys off the street, never been in front of a bull, never even been close to a bull, take them and make bullfighters out of them. Mm-hmm. Because of the fundamentals he taught, you know, and I mean, you know how Bill Belichick will take a bunch of guys you've never heard of, you know, no number one draft picks and he'll make a a Super Bowl team out of them, and that yep. was Rex. I mean, he could do that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool.
5: Well and, yes, and, and,
1: and I think your guys' business I mean it's needed because it you know, you, you I So the weird part I think about it, uh, rodeo is that probably about twenty 30 plus years ago, a little bit of coaching for every, every, every angle of rodeo was being, there's some sort of coach, but it's what I think over the past, like maybe 15 years, it looks like there's been a, like an explosion from all aspects of, and, and oddly enough, it's part business, right? You can make money into that. Um, right. but, um, but at the same time, I think that it's also, it, it's, it's, it's getting more exposure to where, I, when you start having like city folks start getting involved and say, man, you know, they, they just have the inclination to want to do something. That's just a little bit of dangerous. Right. But the, the but they got to have some confidence doing it. This is starting to, I, I had yeah. imagine over the next 10 years, if this keeps happening, you're going to get people, you get new people coming into the rodeo business that probably were never raised like you or Robbie. And, um,
5: absolutely. You're starting to see a large influx of it and, and rodeo becoming more mainstream and, and, you know, I credit I credit people like you, everybody there at LVE for giving the exposure and putting the money into this sport. It's helped it elevate and grow, and I mean it's it's growing like I've never seen it grow in 25 years. I mean it's it's really coming on, and i man, it is so cool to see. Gosh, I know. Do you remember the days when if you could watch the last round by Heston of the NFR, that was the coolest thing, and or if you heard a song that mentioned rodeo, you thought, well, man, I just mentioned my sport, and now there's two stations. Dang near dedicated to rodeo. It, oh yeah, and I mean, y'all remember? Y'all remember back when Eight Seconds came out? Oh yeah. I mean, eight seconds. Eight seconds was the biggest boost to professional rodeo that ever was. I mean,
6: uh-huh. the
5: story, story of Lane Frost. I mean, it just rodeo just exploded, and all of a sudden there was there were rodeos that had most fifteen guys entering in the bull ride, and all of a sudden after that movie came out, there was fifty five guys entered. You know. Uh, and, and the more we expose it and the more we let people see it, it's, I mean, to me, I'm the biggest rodeo fan in the world. I mean, in case you hadn't picked up on that, I love it. I mean, from, from bullfighting, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, I mean, I'm, I obviously passionate about bullfighting, but I love every sport in rodeo and grew up doing it. And that's why, I mean, I've, uh, Robbie and I've talked, I mean, I've been starting to do some announcing as I transition out of the bullfighting. Very good. I I, got to go. You know, I mean I've got I'm I love rodeo. me and my wife watch it every night. Yeah. Western sports roundup and Cowboy Channel. I mean, we're we're tuned in every night.
1: Yeah, you know, and it seems like uh just me being the guy I've been around this twenty years, but more from like this uh from a professional work standpoint, production, marketing, whatever you wanna call it, um, it seems like right now this whole merge with PRCA and Cowboy Channel is something that's been destined to happen, right? Like it's just that's its home. And you know, I know it about be,
5: time. Yeah, but I and it's gonna be t- Yeah, it's it's about time. Man.
1: Yeah, but I mean uh, it's gonna be we, tough we, for people we, to get that channel, right? Um, but in the process, you know, we figure things out. We're smart humans. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it all gets in there because, the, the, the you know, you get all the I guess what I'm saying is you start to get all these people involved, you got a guy like Metters involved. I mean, what a great captain to be navigating a ship. Uh, for, you oh, yeah. know, a lot of things. I'm pretty sure he's sitting there thinking, like, man, he's got a checklist of things he wanted, he's he been wanting to get after. And working with the Cowboy Channel, I oh, think, I just, allows that.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know as long as Jess has been doing it that he 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 can see what we needed to do and what we – I mean, we, we went – I remember being a kid, and Robbie probably remembers this. I mean, you set, set your VCR and record so you could watch at 3 o'clock in the morning when the Mesquite Rodeo come on. So oh
1: yeah! Oh, exactly. man. Mesquite rodeo you know, again.
5: I mean, we, we just craved it, you know, I mean, it would have been, and to see it finally hitting the, hitting its own channel and getting the exposure that I, you know, that we all think it deserves, man. It is, it is awesome to watch.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, I want to go back to, you brought up, um, eight seconds. What's interesting is this, we're coming up. It's, it's, it's been a year since uh, Dylan from 90210 passed away. And yeah. I, I got to tell you, cause I, I get to manage all of our social media and man, we did a post, you know, cause we worked with him. So, um, so Luke actually worked with us, um, on our 30th anniversary of the NFR and the documentaries and everything that we did, got to know him really good dude. Um, but anyways, oh, when, when he passed away last year and we posted the information about his death, I'm not kidding. It was, it was probably one of the highest performing, uh, posts that we had all year in 2019. And we had a lot of crazy good posts, you know, and but what was interesting in the conversation was is what they talked about him about and saying that he was probably the first guy you know from the, the city side of things or an actor or whatever you want to however you want to tab him that um, you know had this crossover ability that people accepted him even though he wasn't rodeo he I guess he came in in a very humble route you know to kind of do that Lane Frost um, portrayal and they fell in love with him and man there was nothing but love for about him. On that day when we posted, well, it, was, it was powerful.
5: And bad I know you've talked to a lot of the guys that, that participated in that movie and helped and coached and yeah. and did all that. And what made Luke Perry so cool? I mean, I've heard millions of stories like this. Was that he had he got that respect because he earned it? He got on bull. You know, mm. he didn't come in and just just stump double the whole thing and pretend. I mean, he actually got on some bull. And you it know, was a challenge for him to get to do that. Remember that was yeah. So cool you know i mean he was like no i want to ride the insurance where we can't you know she's like oh crap i want to do it
7: yeah and when he
5: did that it was instant he instantly legitimized himself in the rodeo world i mean everybody it was instant respect for him and that's that's what started the love and then you know as time went on i mean you you know all the things he did for rodeo and the yep. western wishes and and all that kind of stuff i mean the guy just gave and gave and gave and i mean what a cool dude
1: yeah absolutely yeah. great guy So what were you, hey, Blue Jeans, what were you doing? Uh, This is kind of getting the gauge of everybody uh, where they've been. What was going, what were you doing when you got the news? Where were you? A lot of people were at Houston. Where were you when you got the news that things were shutting down and you got to start changing what you're doing right now? Where were you? Uh,
5: Well, I was fighting bulls in uh, Arcadia, Florida. Uh, The rodeo in Arcadia was going on. And uh, they, you know, they let us know. We heard about Houston uh, I was actually between Fort Pierce and Ar- and Arcadia when I heard the news, and heard about Houston. And then, you know, Arcadia, those those guys down there, they're such a great rodeo committee. They were they didn't know what to do, you know. They they didn't want to shut the rodeo down, but at the same time, they didn't want to take the chance of getting anybody sick. Um, and so there we were, and, and they 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 basically, you know, one of the committee men is a judge there in the in DeSoto County, and he made all the appropriate calls, and they said, look. As of right now, we're not shutting anything down. So we, we they decided to have the rodeo, and we really thought that we were going to have a rodeo with nobody there. Mm. I mean, we we were sitting there and just thinking, you know, surely nobody's coming. Uh, because, mm-hmm. I mean, all the money had been spent, you know, on advertising and concessions. And, I mean, so they were out for money. So they just said, all right, let's have it. Well, man, the first day, about 3,500 people showed up. Wow! And then the second day, Around four thousand showed up, and then the uh, Saturday performance. I think there were sixty-eight hundred there. Mm. I mean, we were we were just amazed at how many people came. And you want to talk about you know at the at the opening of a lot of rodeos, they it's very patriotic, you know. Uh, and but, buddy, you want to talk about the patriotism at that rodeo during the opening? I mean, it was it was something else. I, it was I, you had to be there. You know what I mean? I mean, people were you could tell they were scared, but at the same time, I mean they. That's how much they love rodeo, especially in Arcadia, Florida. If you ever get a chance to go down there, you ought to go. It's an outstanding rodeo. It
2: is really good.
1: I want to get by the Bulls. I, at some point, uh, yeah, I want to go...
5: Those are swamp bramers. <laughs> <laughs> In <the> barrel,
1: Somebody's got to get a documentary about those things, man. I, that's all I know.
5: <laughs> swamp yeah. bramers. You got to be like Tiger Man, that new Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I,
1: I'd highly suggest anybody listening to check that out. My goodness.
5: <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. It? I know. I'm a binge watcher. You know, Blue, you've been very lucky with, you know, the guys you've worked with. You know, you've been with Stace some, but you have been blessed to work with one of the greatest stock contractors and the coolest people in this business. Totally different drummer now. He's, oh yeah. But you know, the five time stock contractor of the year, Jerry Nelson, you know, and he. tell us tell us a little bit about how that all got started that, you know, Nevada, you'll like this. This is a good story. Well, uh, this is absolutely true. And I tell people this story all the time, but uh, I met Jerry Nelson, I went to, I was working, there was an amateur stunt contractor down here where I live named Johnny Acton, I mean, he was a Texas legend, I mean, you know, he was like John Wayne in the amateur rodeo business, and we were, do. I went with him to do a rodeo in Luling, Texas, and I'm, you know, I'm just a kid fighting bulls, I think I was still in high school at the time, and uh, and it came time for the calf and well, a lot of times they get the bullfighters to untie calves, all right, well, I was, the, back then, believe it or not, they didn't have a lot of times there was only one bullfighter at the rodeo. They didn't have two or three like they do now. So I'm I'm there fighting bulls by myself. Well I go out there and I get ready to untie calves and here comes this big old guy who's got a beard and he's got a he's got a gray shirt on and on it has a patch on one side says Jerry and on the patch on the other side says Maverick. Well he looked like he worked at a gas station. I mean he literally looked like a guy that pumps your gas, you know. So I didn't think anything about it. I I get ready and we they roped the first calf. Well, you know, in the calf rope, and you rope the calf, and then there's a six-second rule that you have to lift the calf has to stay tied for six seconds. Well, Jerry he didn't know it, so I'm not really paying attention. Well, this guy ropes the calf. Well, Jerry just takes off out there and goes to untying the calf. Well, the commissioner gets mad, starts cussing him, and telling him how stupid he is. The judge is kind of mad because it messed up the run, and we got to do a rerun. And Jerry has no idea what he did, you know. <laughs> And well this this chaff roper just being horrible to him. Well I kind of I kind of yeah, he trusted me, so I kinda took up for him. I was like, Hey man, leave him alone. He didn't know any better. You know, so we and so we walked back over there and he said, Man, what did I do? I said, You gotta wait six seconds after they get back on the horse. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, we, we get done with the rodeo and uh I was needing a ride back home and uh, the lady uh Johnny Ackle's wife Kim was the secretary and there's a, a a lady that was timing with her that, I mean, I mean, when I tell you these ladies were dressed to the nines, I mean, they look like, you know, the, the way the ladies dressed in Las Vegas, they look like a million bucks. Jerry, <laughs> he's back there covered in mud, wearing a shirt, looks like he works at a gas station. Well, the, So the rodeo gets over with and, and we all get ready to leave. And, and uh, Jerry's wife, I didn't know it at the time, but she told me, she said, Hey, you can ride back with us. And I said, okay. So I get over there and I'm waiting by the car. And Jerry walks up and gives her a kiss and says, see you at home. And I went, Holy crap, those two are together. (laughs) 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 I I mean, I was totally confused. (laughs) Well then, you know, you fast forward about 12 months and he built, uh, what was called the double J rodeo palace here in Winnie, Texas built that big arena and started buying buffing bulls and got into the PBR. And, uh, within three or four years, he was taking 15, 16 head of bulls to the PBR finals and started taking bulls to the national finals rodeo. And I mean, I've, I've been with them through the, through the whole growth, you know, and, uh, and I credit Gary. I mean, if it wasn't for being in the right place at the right time, I mean Gary made my career, you know, because he was passionate and wanted to be the best. And and man, we we had some humble beginnings. Mm. But uh Frontier Rodeo obviously, you know, now winning five times stock contractor a year. It's it's come a long way, baby. It's <laughs> it's a fun one to do.
6: Yeah, I it's gonna
1: be attached to that too.
2: Oh, absolutely. Nevada, I've got to tell you, my favorite, since he's retiring this year, and I mean, this is an honor to Blue anyway, but I have to tell you the funniest story with me and Blue Jeans, and it's a wonder we're not in prison. (laughs) Oh, I know
5: what you're fixing to say. (laughs) So we go to the PBR bar one night. Me and Luke Kaufman, were playing there one night.
1: You're talking about Vegas, right? PBR Rock Bar? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah,
5: PBR Rock Bar in Vegas, John Fines joint, and uh, so we're... We're staying at the Hilton then. It was still the Hilton, right? But It wasn't the West. Yeah, I think it was still the Hilton back then. All right. Well, you know, that is the shrine to Elvis in Vegas, okay? So it's about 3.30 in the morning, and we are propping each other up coming through them swingy doors, all right? So when we get in the lobby there, you've been in the lobby there many times, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. If you haven't, there's a big statue of Elvis. Well, right next to that, when you come through the door, there was a 1974 I guess it was a Lincoln Town Car. Or like oh, it was a Cadillac. It was a Cadillac. Okay. Well, I guess it was. I wouldn't have remembered if it was a Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> so we go over there, and I said, holy cow, look, Blue, it's Elvis's car. Well, they've got it roped off, except for one little corner's not roped off. Well, Blue and I are staggering over there, and we go, and We get inside of the little rope thing. The next thing we know, we're standing next to the car. (laughs) And I look at Blue, and Blue looks at me, and I said, And it's unlocked. See if it's oh,
1: Like an invitation.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we slumped that door, and it comes open. Both doors, and me and Blue are sitting in this car. And I said, "Blue, look under the seat or on the visor. If the keys are in it, we're going down the strip in this thing." Right? Mm-hmm. One th- and one thing about that car, I'll never forget. It smelled just like I thought nineteen seventy four smelled like. <laughs> <It was> like <laughs> <laughs> but the best part of that was the horrific look on Jen's face, hoping and Krista's hoping to the good Lord get the king's word not in that thing. Oh, my wife was hot. She was not proud of us that night. She still <laughs> talks about it to this day. I know. Uh, <laughs> he, he thought we were going to jail. <laughs> if it would have cranked, we would have. We'd want unheld the hell the story, wouldn't we? Oh man, yeah. that's awesome. No doubt. Hey, I, you know, I your your career. Your career has been stellar it's been amazing you have the respect you know you have enough respect from the people that we elected you standing right there in front of you as our director you know that meeting that day and I said hey we want blue jeans to be our director anybody opposed not one person all in favor everybody in that room that day raised their hand for you what was that like and and what's it like you know to have been and still be in well, I'm going to tell you what, that's that meant a lot to me because, I mean, I've always tried to, and throughout the 25 years, is, is try to be the kind of guy that has, you know, that every, everybody respects. Uh, I've been a good guy. I've never been the guy that undercut you for your rodeos or tried to, you know, pull anything dirty. To You know, I've, I've always been trying to be a straight-up guy that, that did things right. And when when, those, when y'all elected me to do that that day, I mean, at the time, it, it, it was choked me up and it meant a lot to me. Now I want to kill y'all for some of the stuff I have to do. Uh, right, doing this job, but uh, it's 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 an honor because you know guys know that I'm gonna do it right and I'm gonna take care of them best I can. There's you know there's only certain amount of stuff I can do on certain things, but we work on them. You know we there's uh, Dusty Tuckness and I actually are working right now on cleaning some things up with our approval process. Uh, and it's little things like that to to make pro rodeo better. And if if my little contribution helps make the whole sport better then it's pretty cool to me. I mean, I'm glad to do it.
1: So, yeah. okay, I mean, Hey, wait real I quick. Add- I want to know what, what is the, give us like your two minute elevator pitch of like what it consists of, like what are kind of what the duties you got to do throughout the year or kind of how, how do you, what, what do you do with this thing?
5: Well, basically what I do is I kind of oversee who gets approved uh, to have a PRCA card as a barrel man or a bull phone. And uh, we have a, we have a certain criteria that you have to meet in order to be a, professional or a PRCA bullfighter so I oversee that process to make sure it's done correctly that all the you know p's are crossed and i's are dotted that they, they get the proper recommendations and then after they get their card there's a year of, of a permit year and so they're kind of on you're basically on probation for a year and uh so I oversee that to make sure there's no problems no issues because you know uh in our opinion you know to be a PRCA bullfighter that's the that's the tip of the spear and we we want to try to have the best of the best in the prca and so we i'll kind of oversee that deal and then there's there's issues of uh, that we run across from time to time uh, as contract personnel it may affect announcers or photographers or whatever but we have a an executive council that we all kind of deal deal with that stuff together uh you know to try to, to try to just work out the kinks and and from a prca standpoint have the best product you know basically on the field that we can
1: Oh, well, that makes sense. Wait, and you know what, and listen to you talk, the passion that you have rodeo business that's needed, right? You don't need like an outsider protecting that kind of area. Um, you need someone within the business that understands ins and outs. Um, Oh
5: yeah. There's, there's a lot of little nuances you know, corners that can be cut, things like that, that if you're, if you're not in the business, you wouldn't notice it. But guys that are in the business, we know it, you know, yeah. so, uh, there's, there's a lot of little nuances to it that, you know, that kind of keeps you on your toes and, and, and makes you pay attention. Uh, but mm-hmm. ev- everything we do is in the vein of trying to make pro rodeo better, yeah. you know, from our little standpoint, you know.
1: Are you done uh, with it? Are, no, when you retire, does that mean you're done with that or just the the getting no. in the, the dirt side?
5: No, I don't think they're going to let me quit that. I'm, I'll <laughs> answer that one for you, Nevada. Hell
1: no. <laughs> that's awesome. You know,
5: I asked him this when I decided, you know, when we all kind of got together, everybody's like, Robbie, you're Blue's best friend. We we need you to talk to him, and I'm like, Blue is my best friend. I'd really like to keep him as my best friend, and that's how I prefaces that. Oh, I sound like Boyd right then, didn't I? Um, <laughs> you know, prefaces, but I said, Blue, I need you
2: to do something for us. But I want me and you, no matter what you get into in this contract, act director we're still going to be best friends, right? He said, yeah. Well,
5: about the third year, he's like, I ain't sure we're best friends anymore. <laughs> how many phone calls a day do you get? I mean, not this kind of year, but like on an average year where it's normal, how many calls a day do you get sitting in a crane or wherever you're doing? You know, it's, it's it gets to be pretty much nonstop from September till after the NFR. And then we, we it kind of becomes, you know, we have a monthly meeting and I've, you know, I. All every PRCA bullfighter, you know whether they're coming in or they've got a question or whatever, they always call me because uh, that that's kind of my job is to direct everybody and tell everybody how the procedure works. It works this way, or you got to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have situations where guys get fined or they, you know, have have a problem, and I try to help them through that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean I, I get on average one to two calls a week, but from September till after the NFR, I, I might get twenty six a day.
6: Yeah, you
5: know, you know, because you know you know how it is when it gets to NFR time and they're voting and and you know they're pick they're selecting guys for the NFR. I mean it gets it gets pretty intense because everybody wants that job. I mean it's the greatest rodeo in the world, and we want to send the greatest you know the greatest personnel to it. So it gets pretty you know it gets pretty intense.
1: That's awesome. That's pretty well. Uh, that makes sense though. Correct. I mean you you know and the other thing I. Sometimes for us on the, on the, on the outside of this looking in some, it just looks like it's just, Oh man, everyone's still making the rodeo. you see the same names, but then you start to really look at the details and that's not really true. Um, You know, someone may made it five years ago and they'll be lucky if they get in this year or last year or next year. And I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, I think from every aspect of getting to that NFR is so key to your rodeo career as, as Bob Tomlin always says, it says it's life changing, right?
5: Um, oh, absolutely, and 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 then you look at—I mean—you take a look at the guys, the the bullfighters that we've sent to the N.F.R. Now, to a layman, average person, you know, they see bullfighters out there protecting cowboys. They don't understand it, but uh, from Robbie and I, from our standpoint, you look at co- what Cody Webster and Dusty Tuckness and and Evan Aller and Nate Justice—they here in the last five or six years, the game has elevated another level. And oh, those yeah. guys—I mean, those guys are taking cowboy protection, and they have. I've maybe maybe ten years. Let's put it like that, and add like Chuck Swisher in there, and and but they have elevated the game, and it's a different game than it was fifteen years ago. Yeah, you got you got to be able to play. You got to play at a different level now than you just did ten years ago. Not to right. say the guys that made it ten years ago weren't good, but but the you know the game is elevated, Absolutely. and I mean from a guy like me that's seen it since the mid '90s, I mean it's it's a completely different game than it was then. Uh, but that just to me that that goes to show that we're doing a good job and our products getting better and better yeah
1: i mean you gotta look at the crowds that they got showing up for bfo i mean that that just shows how long how far it's come to where you know in vegas that's a standalone event uh for us and we look at that as a powerful event that is slowly but surely you know more people in the well, stands I, and enjoying the
5: it the bullfights have always been a spectacular event and they went away you know it, it, it kind of ran its course in through the 80s and the 90s and it it went away, and people crave. I mean, that, to me, uh, a guy that can go out there and go 40 seconds with a with a Mexican fighting bull is the, is the best athlete that you'll ever want to go watch, because you add in the athleticism, the adrenaline, the fear of getting killed, and and man, people people love it. It and it's done when you do it correctly and you market it correctly. To me, I mean, it's the it's as good an event as you can have.
1: You know, the um, now, sports that, center does that. But um yeah you know uh sport uh espn does that like uh sport science thing and what they're showing they had that brought a bullfighter man i want to say it was webster i can't remember who it was but um they were just showing mm-hmm. like you know and when they sh- they show all the f- the physics right to the to the athlete and what they're doing whatever the the science um uh experiment is right and they're showing like the difference of how uh, compared to like a, a bull and and a, uh and the, the actual athlete and kind of just showing all the the athletic ability of twisting turning uh just all the velocity that takes place in the body um for the for the bullfighter and it was fascinating just kind of showing that to your point well, the athleticism deal,
5: i don't know if you remember if you remember a few years ago uh, the pdr did a deal and they had they brought junior say out and uh G, junior went on and and frank Newsom, and them they, they had a clinic with him and taught him how to fight bulls and i'll never forget in that in that seminar, Frank. So uh, they were, they were using a dummy and, and Frank kept telling him, Hey, you're, you're telegraphing your moves a little bit. And he said, Hey man, I went to 13 Pro Bowl. I know about telegraphing moves. You know, I'm not, and Frank was like, okay, you know, and, <laughs> and he got out there and I don't know if you ever saw the video and this spotted bull, you know, junior say as good an athlete as he was. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't, he didn't know the science of it and he got run over. You know, it's uh, <laughs> when, when you add adrenaline to the, of what we do at the
1: adrenaline and the danger and,
5: and the athleticism. I mean, it's
1: a it, there's, there's no other sport like it, yeah. I mean, and it, I'll put it up against anything, it seems fat, you know. uh So, I'm a, <laughs> one of the things that I love on social media is uh, Rodeo Rex. I don't know if you guys ever follow oh, yeah. these guys on Instagram, oh, yeah. but man, whenever they show the bullfighters, I'm like, no, move, no, you just know, <laughs> like, it just ain't gonna go right. and I can only imagine the kind of the timing of that, knowing how fast things are. You guys are probably, you know, like we're, uh, you know, on the rodeo athlete side that on the competitor side, they're, they're dealing with under like eight seconds, all the way down to four seconds. You guys are probably dealing with like one to two seconds of uh, timing, right? Like to move and groove kind of thing.
5: Well, in the case of, of cowboy protection, yes. But when you get to that freestyle bullfight, those, the uh, like you watch it with the BFO, I mean, those guys, that's 40 seconds of time
6: Ooh.
5: where you, one, one misstep, you know, you make one little mistake and those bulls, they punish you. Yep. You know, it's not like you, you can blow the whistle and, and stop for a minute. I mean, when, when you make a mistake, fighting bull, they punish you and they hammer you. And then you're, you know, then you're sore and you, you just got the, you know, got the crap knocked out of you by a 1200 pound fighting bull. And, and you got, you got to go finish, you know, uh, with your, with a big knot in your leg or your, you know, your ribs yeah. straight or whatever. You know what I mean? You got to go finish. Man. And that's where that's what separates the men from the boys. You know, that's why the adult <laughs> fights are the ultimate you know, the ultimate gladiator sport.
1: Well man. I agree with that. Yeah, that's uh well hey, you know what? Hey, I I can't get over this every time we bring on one of Robbie's cronies, man, within your guys' field, we get some good conversations. <laughs> and um, you know, during our N F R we actually Hell, I got, I learned a lot about uh, bullfighting and kind of like the ins and outs, the left and the rights, the kind of strategies, studying the bulls that yeah. you're going to be coming against. It's fascinating. I really, I mean, I enjoy your guys' sport so much. Me too. So
5: There's so a lot of light yeah. there. Remember, Smets was getting up making moves and stuff. And, but you're on, you're on the radios. You're not on the
1: yeah. radio. Yeah. But what was nice is it's just tough. his passion to teach and kind of show, oh, yeah. you know, uh, one move is dangerous, the other one is successful. So I just, I, I mean, just I, it's fascinating all the details that come in with this sport that just we find out through these yeah. conversations.
5: It's funny, you know, I, I got to work with Rob towards the end of his career. And and you know Rob Rob can teach you all the stuff Rob did, but there's one thing you can't teach is the heart that guy had. Yeah. Let, me let me tell you something: there was no quitting that guy, none. I could no. see it.
1: <laughs> you could sense it just Talk talking to him. His energy, his yeah, his I mean, battery, man, was full full blast.
5: Oh, I'm yeah. telling you, and that's the way he was in the arena. And let me tell you something: the harder you hit him, the matter he got. And here we come. You know, he just came back <laughs> strong. That was that was Rob.
1: Well hey uh, blue jeans, this is good man thanks we get, we gotta roll this once again this is uh this is a great experience here this is, I love learning quite a bit here. <laughs> Thank you.
5: Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me guys I, I love what you're doing. keep doing it. yeah, uh, keep putting it out there man it's great. yeah we Thank love you. yeah, we love talking to you and I know you know I want you to be safe and as soon as we can get back on the road, we're gonna be happy and everything's gonna be great and you're gonna get phone calls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. bit. yeah, yeah, your phone would probably ring like crazy.
5: Twenty-five years. Yeah, twenty-five thanks, years you've done it, man, and I'm so proud of you. And I'm proud to call you my best friend. Yeah, that's thanks, awesome. Guys. I do appreciate
1: it. No worries, well, Thank you. Hey, well, thanks, Blue. I'll, uh, we'll talk to you later.
3: All right.
1: All right. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.
3: Hi, I'm World Champion Bull Rider Sage Kimsey, and you're listening to NFR Extra.
1: To celebrate the 35th anniversary of the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, LVE and PRCA present the top 35 most memorable moments.
4: Sports fans love a storybook ending and NFR fans are no exception. Bull rider Cody Hancock has certainly enjoyed his share of Las Vegas magic. First in 2000, when he arrived in Las Vegas as the 15th ranked bull rider in the world, Hancock didn't waste any time getting to work. He won round one with a 93 point ride and claimed round two with a 90 point ride. He kept chipping away at the top ranked bull riders in the world, and when he struck again for a win in round seven and 92 more points, he stood on the brink of history. When round 10 came to a close, Hancock became the first Roughstock Cowboy to climb from 15th to 1st at the National Finals Rodeo and win a world championship. This kid rides like a world champion. Hancock was back in 2001. And while he came up just short in his quest for back-to-back world titles, he did make rodeo history again. Hancock got the best of Diamond G Rodeo's Mr. USA in the 10th and final round and shattered the NFR record with a 96-point bull ride. Nearly two decades later, Cody Hancock's 96-point ride still stands. In
0: 2020, more than 7,000 kids will compete for the coveted 750 spots at the Junior World Finals in Las Vegas, presented by Yeti. Each qualifier will go head-to-head for more than a half a million dollars and a championship buckle in the biggest rodeo youth event in the country. This could be the first time on the road to a pro rodeo card and a gold buckle in Vegas. Find out how your son or daughter can earn the right to compete against the best at the Junior World Finals, presented by Yeti.
1: All right, Brylin Bentley, we're still sticking to your world. I mean, we think we got this for the next couple of weeks, right? In these episodes, talking about Junior World Finals. I we mean, do. This is uh, your back yep. of the woods, right? Where you, you've been living and, and now you're loving.
3: I am. Uh, I'm definitely out? loving <laughs>
1: getting
3: to be a part of all of this <laughs> well, I like Junior World Finals talk.
1: Well, and, and this guest, or guest, if we had them all on at the same time, um, is fascinating to me because when I first came across this event, it blew my mind. Uh I actually had a boy and I thought of him doing this and wow. Uh probably not, but that's what makes it I think that more amazing is the young men that, that are in this. And well, anyways, um let's let's talk about who we got coming on here. This is um we're sitting here with Alyssa Leal from Leal's Bull Riding Championship, who's a part of the junior world finals. Welcome to NFR Extra Podcast, Alyssa.
7: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
1: well, welcome. so let let's talk about junior world finals bull riding that's a part of that but let's talk can you give us kind of the the gist of what went down in 2019 like how many contestants you had what are the divisions that you have your champions the money you gave out can you are you able to give all that kind of for the people that are listening right now
7: Yeah. so um we ended up taking we take up to about 130 but towards the end we do have some injuries and I think we ended up with about 120 contestants out there and we have four age divisions. Um, we do 10 and 11, 12 to 13, which are on miniature bulls. Um, then we have a 14 to 15, 16 to 18 that are on our bigger bulls. Um, so last year we ended up paying out 40, I believe it was like around $45,000 and, That wasn't including our prizes. We had over $10,000 worth of prizes. We, you know, gave a saddle. We gave buckles, um, spurs. They got a gear bag. So, um, And our kid, one of our kids actually ended up, uh, the 10- and 11-year-old, won the all-around champion there. So he ended up getting that trailer. So um, we've had, for the last two years an Australian kid. It wasn't the same one, but Australia has took home a world title. Um, So in the end, our 16 to 18 year old, uh, Chris Villanueva, uh, that was his third world uh, champion um, that he got there at the uh, junior, being out there at the junior world finals. Wow.
1: Let's let's Uh, talk about the
3: Bulls a
7: little.
1: I heard about Chris quite a bit.
7: (laughs) (laughs) He's
3: a great kid. How many bulls actually do you guys as a whole bring to Las Vegas during the Junior World Finals?
7: So we do take about 120 head out there to, um, you know, the kids are divided up between the days. So, but we do switch around. There's, um, I believe we have about five or six contractors. That's including us that, you know, we just... Bring out so many each and just swap them around throughout the days. Um, can Contestants all have a fair uh, chance at getting, you know, the same draw and stuff, even though the kids are split up, but we, um, it's pretty great being able to work as a team. And so.
3: And being a contractor, how did your family get into bulls and mini bulls actually?
7: So funny thing is, um, we always tease about, you know, women do start things uh, because my mother was uh, getting her hair done and she was looking in a magazine and happened to come across that there was miniature Herefords. So um, we tease my dad all the time because this was about 2010. He had us looking at miniature cattle because they wanted to buy some land and thought it'd be cute to have some out there and uh, slowly started coming up on the internet that there was kids that actually rode miniature bulls. So they went to a couple of events, and my mom's like, well, I want to get some, and she's. they decided they wanted to throw a big finals, and they happened to do that in 2011 in Ogden, Utah, and Chris Shivers they invited out there. Um, once he seen it, he just jumped on board and uh, so they just slowly started collecting some miniature bulls. Then they got a whole, one bull came with like 20 something head of mini cows. Um, so then she just kind of started her own little breeding. And my uncle is a contractor. And then we have another um, couple from New Mexico. So they, you know, it's just between us. And um, we just slowly started That's how we got involved because we weren't a rodeo family. We didn't know anything, just happened to just watch what everybody did and slowly was their first finals. They thought that was it. And then when Chris came on board, um, it was like, well, we really got to learn this. And we still are at it. So and then in 2013, you know, Bo Gardner took us out there to Vegas and we just every year tried something to get it bigger so
3: oh that is awesome considering this is usually a generational of my grandpa my you know someone in the family did this no she was just shopping while getting her hair done she was,
7: yes we you know um, we tell people that we they have six daughters we were just um more into wow. basketball or track um we our friends kind of did you know uh 4-h and stuff but yeah. Other than that, we did not miss with any cattle, anything like that. So, learning it is—it it is a family thing. We all take turns. We'll, you know, if we gotta help take bulls. We'll take them and feed them, do whatever. It's a family thing.
1: What are some names? Fun. What you got? Any names on these bulls? What's uh? Any of the, you gotta yes. get names, right?
7: They have the best um, names, yeah. actually. <laughs> So, we have a lot. We have, you know, a bull named Casper. He has a son that's named Boo. Um, (laughs) We had a bull named Monkey Trouble. Um, His roommate, or little mate was named Curious George. And so, we kind of look at him. uh, We do, we have a King Kong, uh, Mighty Joe. (laughs) Now, we just named one of King Kong's kids uh, Rampage. And so, we kind of go after um we have yeah kid movie names or something we we do have like um people laugh because we have a power stroke f150 and it goes all the way nice. to 550 <laughs> that is awesome what <laughs> they, they, they drive so they're all white faced bulls and you know so they it's it's just kind of we do we look at them and uh we'll be like you know what we're going to name you this um we do have a little, uh, he reminds us of a Dalmatian. So he got the name Cruella. Oh, nice. <laughs> so oh, that's good. <laughs> everybody will ask, what does she do? And I'm like, it is a bull, but, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but he just, I'm like, he probably looks at us like, why did you give me that name? But, so we do, we have all different ones. So, um, just really kid movies. We go af- uh, after, and name them. Um, it's, my dad always tells us we need to give them names that are more manly. And we're like, no, they're <laughs> not babies.
1: Like Bushwhacker. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah. Chicken on a Chain really isn't manly. But, man, that bull was nasty.
3: I was going to yes. say, he was a pretty wild one. Yes. All right. Jumping back to Junior World Finals a little. How many qualifiers do you and your group have throughout the year?
7: So we have um, seven, six or seven regions out there. So they all put on a um, minimum of six events. And then their year in standings, the top four in each one get to qualify out there. This year we did move it to the top three um, because we did something different. Um, we added about seven nationals is what we're kind of calling those, uh, but they will qualify over a weekend. Um, They won't have to join any region if they don't want to. They just, um, I believe, like Days of 47, if I'm not mistaken, is one. Um, We have a, just to get these kids, they like to go to those ones that, you know, try to win first place and they automatically get their cards to Vegas. So this is the first year. We've been asked to do it a couple of times and we just, weren't ready for it yet but we were like we're doing it this year and have had a lot of interest um so we have about i think like seven of those that are we we are doing
3: that's awesome actually it gives the kids a little different approach
7: if they can't
3: make all of the other rodeos or you know things of that nature especially with the opportunity to rodeo a lot as a junior contestant now gives them the chance if they can only make one there is that option
7: Yes. And so that and then if they don't, they automatically can go and pick a region that they want to join um, and continue to try at getting them a spot out there.
1: So how do you do Do you work with because the cool part about for you guys is you guys can go on both sides of the fence, right? You can go mess with uh, PRCA WCRA uh, PBR. I mean, it's pretty wide open for you guys. Do you utilize all those organizations, um, c- connect to them or use is there some sort of connection with all of them?
7: Well, we don't, since we run that other organization with uh, the miniature bull riding, which is only, you know, for up to 13, um, we go to PBR. So we kind of do that. Uh, but the neat thing is we do take our world champions from that event, they qualify out there to Vegas, so we do. We have talked to some. Um, we're in the process. There is a guy that is a I believe a PBR contractor, and so he was like, "Can I do this?" And I was like, "We don't see no problem." That was the the great thing is, PBR was willing to always uh, be open to us doing this other organization, and that was kind of the same way with Bo, and so um, gives us more events to, um, to be able to put on.
1: Yeah. I mean, but not only that, you get that exposure. I mean, you, you being attached yeah, to both I events think, is fantastic.
7: Yes, it was. Um, yes. Cause if they don't, the neat thing is though, I get a lot of phone calls and people are always asking me just about the little mini bulls. And then when they hear, Oh, you get up to 18, they're like, tell me more about that one. And so regard it's, kind of opened up ways for both of them that it's, it's just amazing. And uh, we always, we tell them like when they finish with us in this one, they can always go on to this one too. And um, so it is uh, pretty neat just being able, we always, regardless where we're at, we're always advertising both of them.
3: Well, and on the standpoint as a sister to a competitor of a bull rider, it's kind of Mm -hmm. a different sport. You get on the minis and then you're kind of your group allows them to get on the medium bull, I guess you would say, instead of going from these mini bulls or the calves to a full grown bull. And it's a lot of power when they step up
7: into those big,
1: that's a big step.
7: The big kid world. (laughs) The The kids do tell us that. And there's kids that I've seen that were riding big bulls. And then they would try to also ride the mini bulls. And they were like, I can't cover one of them. And I'm like, you're used to the big ones already. So um we just that is one thing when they started this uh chris shivers and my parents uh they talked about we know it's a dangerous sport um you're gonna have injuries but let's try to keep this the safest way that we can and we've been very lucky like cody kester has um leased he leases out his bulls to one of our contractors so when they go out there to the junior world finals you know, a lot of people might be like, well, that bull didn't do too much, but it's still, these kids are learning, and we don't want to put, of course, a 14-year-old just ride on a bull, we'd put an 18-year-old on, um, so that is, that's the great thing, and um, about, you know, having the age divisions, and they slowly just make their way up to to one day, you know, go in PRCA or PBR, whichever way they decide to go.
3: Absolutely, allows them to train safely and learn yeah. the basics without being a little too much.
1: <laughs> you know, and and having the Chris Shivers. I mean, that's a he's that's a great name. You know, and I remember when I, this is when I used to work at Thomas and I remember the PBR World Finals were there, and I remember him winning those. But he also set like the bar. He started winning all that money. Like he started setting the tone for a lot of young guys. I think coming out of that that first generation that started PBR, he was that second wave. And if you look ever since then, man, nothing but good looking young polished dudes that are riding bulls that look like they shouldn't be, but they are. You know, Chris is that, and as I saw at the general finals, well, even for the past few years, even when it was junior four, or even when it was with the mini bull riding, it, always good dudes, little good young guys, man. That, that are very oh, dangerous sport, you know.
7: They're fun. It is. We always tell them. Um, we always brag about our kids. That's one thing that a lot of these kids we don't see until we get out there because they are through the regions and um but we are very lucky with some very good kids to uh the manners they have and just they we really don't have any trouble because it's just i mean our group is really really good um and so it's it's kind of nice seeing that you know like. How you were talking about Chris, Illinois, Um Great little gentlemen. They, you know, just don't have trouble with any of them. They know the rules and they stick with it and everything. So
1: now That's- I saw a young guy, and I'm. This is just me being a, an old PBR fan, but is the crimber kid that's not he's not related to, that's not
7: john crimber is paulo Krimber.
1: okay i wanted i wanted to confirm that i i was I, a lot of oh.
7: people know paulo as the dancing brazilian guy I believe us yep. that yes um, yeah. <laughs> so john um he is uh, he's a great kid he's just like his dad Dancing michael he said he of course doesn't move as good as his dad did back then <laughs> <laughs> John just, uh, he, he started with us in our miniature bull riding, um, in 2015 and he competed every year. He finally just won in November out at the PBR world finals. He won a senior world championship. And so he got his wild, you know, wild card automatically qualified right there to the, um, to the junior world finals came in, um, he was leading it up until the short go and he I mean it was like seven point something and they caught him for um a touch and mm-hmm. uh, slapped the ball, and so he almost had um a junior world finals championship there for the twelve to thirteen, but he is competing now since he out aged us in that one. Now he's um riding in this other one for us and that kid can ride. We, I've always told Paulo from day one, not coming from the sport, I've learned throughout the years, I'll watch a lot of the kids, and I've just told Paulo, I don't know what to tell you, but you better be ready because that kid, he is going to ride some bulls when he gets older. So if you don't like it, um, I don't know what to tell you, but that's your. he's going to be a world champion I see one day uh, somewhere besides just in his young career. But when he gets over
1: 18, so I bring that up because, uh, Jack Nallen, who writes for us, he's our, he's our blogger for the junior World finals. He's actually been working with this past few years, uh, when it was junior yeah. four and you guys have met Jack. Yes, yeah. He, he kept talking. Taut- well, first of all, he touted Vela Nueva all week long. He's like, man, this <laughs> guy just, it's, it's his. And then, you know, remember, it was cool as our conversation. Cause both Jack and I were a similar age remember paulo jumping dancing just all that stuff and to think that man now you got a kid and he's good you know like that rarely happens really rarely does the apple fall far from the tree where the talent falls down and the kid is just as good i mean it rodeo a little bit but i mean it i like that that's awesome and he
7: is paulo was really um heartbroken when he had to retire and he always told us he didn't really want john but now that John's gotten older and the more he sees um, John, he's like, I know. It's a way that Paulo said my dream continues on also because he's there to support him. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched Paulo <laughs> before, but when he's yelling at John in Portuguese, it <laughs> sounds like he's really screaming. And John said, no, he's telling me The whole time I block out everybody but my dad and he's telling me everything I need to do. But Paulo says it in Portuguese. (laughs) And and so um, I'm like, well, I thought he was yelling at you for something else. And he's like, no, that's how I do so well, he goes, is by listening to my dad. And Paulo's not just only there helping John. He will help any kid that's out there. If they go up and ask, he's going to be there. I mean, He's it's a competitive sport, but he's also a parent and a rider that he wants the other kids to learn just the same way.
1: I might need Paulo's help with my boy. Uh, that's awesome because my son doesn't listen to me when I'm yelling when he's when he's performing mm. his sports.
3: He'll, he'll hear the Portuguese, but I don't know that he'll understand it.
1: Just <laughs> he'll say. just know that he's supposed to be doing something,
3: something
7: right. Something <laughs> yeah. else. We, and we, now we brought John in since he can't ride for us in our other organization. We brought him in to flank our bulls, and nice. Paulo has taught him out of really like so um it's it's pretty neat having uh he's really John and them are really close to our family. Paulo's always said my parents are like his American family. Um his American parents for him. So it's they've just we've known them for years. <laughs> wow. It's awesome. I, I got a
1: question. This is more of like um it, it's kinda how bull riding just me being a part of PBR for quite a while and obviously working with the NFR And just being a part of rodeo, do you do you do you? Does your family work a lot with South America or all? Because there's a ton of bull riders coming down from the 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 southern hemisphere, right? And do you guys find yourself over there? How does how does do you work any of that stuff out?
7: We no, it's honestly the the way was when they first started their first uh, finals, they happened to meet Paulo. Um, and Rob's actually, they talked with Robson, um, and then they met Paulo. So it just slowly, uh, being with the PBR, it's, you learn, you know, you slowly met all the Brazilians because the Brazilians really fit together as a family. Mm. And, um, so we've met a lot of their kids and now like their kids slowly, some will end up joining and riding for us, um, we always say the ones that don't want their kids to ride, their kids want to ride. And then the ones that are like, yeah, I want my kid to ride. And their kids are like, oh, no, I'm scared. <laughs> um, we really haven't got um, – since Paulo came really back to the U.S., um, we didn't get to work. I think if he would have probably – been over there in brazil we might have but we just don't have a lot of contact it's just a lot of the families that live here um that we really have worked more with um but other than that we we just don't that we just really australia is our only um one, one that we deal more with
1: yeah well, I, mm-hmm. I can imagine the Leo family is going to be pretty busy over the next few years. Cause this, this sport ain't slowing down and you being the youth <laughs> component of it, just, it's only going to grow. And you're a part of, it's like a whip, right? Like wherever yeah. PBR goes, wherever PRCA goes, wherever, all these groups and they whip and they move and they groove. You're on the end of that. And that's, yeah, you know, that's some cool right. stuff.
7: It is. It's pretty awesome that, like I said, this was just um, a hobby they started with and they never thought this would, you know, go anywhere, and then 2012, they're at PBR, 2013, Bo brings us in to the NFR, and we're just, they, you know, they don't have no boys. They do have three grandsons. Mm. None of them are interested in bull, bull riding. Nice. So, well darn. <laughs> yes. And we do have a, I do have a niece that does like barrel racing. Um, I think she's more just likes watching it um i don't know if she'll end up doing it um when she gets older but it's this was just something we never imagined and here we're like we better get ready because um she loves animals we love the kids gives these kids an opportunity and it seems like it grows every year (laughs) that makes (laughs) sense to me
1: yeah i i don't see why not well yeah some all right. So how is this 2020 looking for you? What are you, are you, I mean, are you changing anything? What are you doing going into December? More contestants? Can you kind of give the, the people listening kind of what you, uh, what you plan on doing this year?
7: Um, we are, um, we did get in, you know, right now we have 11,000 added again. And wow. um, we are, you know, we just added where those weekend qualifiers that we had planned this year For our world champions, we are looking at some more um, awards to give out to them besides what we gave. Um, Most of those kids look forward to those saddles, and, um, of course, we'll be having those again. Just kind of the same things. um, We were excited right now just starting out at 11000 added. Plus, uh, we hope to get some more added money for them this year.
1: Um, where so where is is there anywhere we could send the fans if they want to look at you know, I mean obviously they can come to us, nfrexperience.com Experience dot You know, we have a lot of information, obviously about junior world finals, but is there anywhere anywhere else they can go out and look for you guys in case they need to get hold of you or you know, there's a parent um, listening and though their kid loves this and
7: um Leo's Junior Bullriding dot com is our website. Um Leo's Junior bull Riding Championship is our Facebook page. Um we we're on there. You can message us. Um, that is linked to all our regions. So um, most of the time, if you message, it's whoever, wherever you're from, that region's going to get in contact with you or we'll send you the right way. Um, also, you know, like through the Junior World Finals website, um, information is on there. My number, of course, is on there. And that's who most people come to me. And then I send them right uh, so the way they need to go to make sure that they have a chance. It's perfect. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Alyssa,
1: this has been awesome. I, uh, man, I, I, you guys are busy. (laughs) That's what it sounds (laughs) like.
7: (laughs) Yeah, We we do try to stay. And, um, like we said, we want to do this for the kids. Um, keep this rolling. Bo's been putting this out there since 2013. So we want to keep making sure it gets bigger and bigger every year. Just like they, um, LV always plans. So, yeah.
1: Well, you guys got a great family. Got to meet you. I thank y'all you came so. into the office one day. I was like, Oh, we're doing with a family here. So it was cool. Like, I just, thank I love that.
7: They're the best to work yeah. with. That's for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And I just, this we whole conversation really kind of.
7: We, we always say we're out there to put on a great show for these kids and we're, we will always work with whatever way we need to do. We are, we'll be sure to do it. So,
1: we'll be safe out on the road. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, this was great.
7: We appreciate yeah. it.
1: Uh, thank y'all so much. All right. Bye,
7: Alyssa. Bye.
1: Bye. bye.
0: Howdy, I'm Bob Tolman, and this is NFR Extra.
1: That's it for episode 44. Want to give a big thanks to Robert Blue Jeans and Alyssa Leal from Leal's Junior Bull Riding Championship. And coming up on episode 45, three-time Wrangler NFR qualifier, Saddle Bronk Rider, Brody Cress and Lacey Demirs from Junior Roughstock World Finals.
3: For more information regarding the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, visit NFRExperience.com and follow Las Vegas NFR on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube.
1: NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All
2: year.